Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up, and welcome to another episode of Social Jello with Angelo. Today, I sit down with Black Belt's John Hojlo and Mickey Lopez, and we talk about the autism spectrum disorder and how to work with special needs students in and outside of the dojo. It's a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Quick disclaimer before we start, I do have a master's degree in psychology. It's called an MS. It's a master's of science, but I am not a licensed psychologist. With that in mind, I'll talk about that a little more when the show gets started, but let's get going. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Four Shots of Kaiju Campbell. My name is John, and today we're talking about kids. Not all kids, but kids with autism, kids on the ASD spectrum. If you are a martial artist, this pertains to you. Why? Because kids on the ASD spectrum don't just disappear one day. They grow up. Kids on the ASD spectrum use their brains differently. They're not inferior, they're not superior, they just use their brains differently. But as they get older, they learn to hide the signs they're using their brains differently. They become adults, they become your training partners. You as a martial artist might be on the ASD spectrum and not even know it. But it's still gonna affect your motivation. It's gonna affect how you train, where you train, when you train, and it will affect your training partners. If you are a teacher or a coach, The longer you teach, the sooner you're going to have students who are on the ASD spectrum, kids and adults who might or might not know it. If you are a teacher, you want them to become the best they can be. You got to understand their brains are going to work a little bit differently today. So if you are a martial artist, this does pertain to you. Today, my co-hosts are Angelo Ferrer and Mickey Lopez. Thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, For those of you who do not know the format of the show, we're just going to sit back and talk. Uh, However, we are going to take a few shots uh, to mark the passage of time. Unfortunately, uh, Angelo cannot drink today because I was a jerk and I planned this on a day when he's got to train and do some other stuff. So he's going to drink water with us in solidarity while Mickey and I get our drink on. Feel free to comment, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Feel free to drink with us. Let's get our first shot ready. And as we get ready for our first shot, real quick, uh, everyone who knows this show knows that we're all Kaiju Kamo Black Belts. Angelo, uh, can you tell us about your educational background real fast? Yeah, a real quick disclaimer, and I said this earlier in my intro, I am not a licensed psychologist. I do have a master's degree in psychology. I'm more a psychological researcher. That would be my unofficial title. And I also hold a bachelor's in counseling. The reason I have to say this is because we're about to talk about diagnosing. There's a lot of ethical standards in psychology that would state that what I'm doing right now is unethical, which is why I'm very clearly stating, A, I'm not a clinical psychologist. B, I am not diagnosing anyone. We're just gonna be talking about some information And what you do with that information from there is totally up to you. So to stay within the guidelines of the American Psychological Association, that is my disclaimer. And it's also a good reason for you not to drink today. That's, yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) uh, We'll go ahead and get started then. Uh, You guys know, so you can hear that Angelo, he's got a lot of experience. He's studied this stuff about autism. Mickey and I are going to be talking out of our ass. So we're here to learn. We hopefully, you guys can learn as well, because we're going to go from there. Let's do our shot and we'll get started. Kaiju Campbell, boys. Awesome, good water. So, the first question, both of you guys. 
both you guys are teaching martial arts to adults right now. Uh, Angelo, I know you've taught at your instructor's dojo. I imagine you worked out with kids as well. Mickey, I've seen you work with kids at Sifu Ron's place. Angelo, you're also teaching English to kids here in Japan, and you're both fathers. So lightning round question, answer as fast as you can. Don't even think about it too much. Which is easier, teaching kids or teaching adults? Adults. Adults? Adults. Why? Adults as well, why? Go ahead, Mickey, why? Oh, um, they went through school. They, um, they're there for a reason. Um, they don't have, they can focus. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you okay. mentioned they can focus. We're not even talking about kids on the ASD spectrum yet. This is just all kids when you mentioned right, focus. Right, just, yeah. Yeah. Angela, what do you think? Uh, yeah, they have more drive. Adults have more drive because they have more of a purpose to be there. A lot of kids that come in, don't really have the drive. Some do, I'm not gonna say, I, I'm not gonna generalize the statement, but for the most part, an adult that comes in to, uh, uh, you know, to come into training in martial arts, they have a very clear goal of why they're there and what they wanna do. While a kid that goes there is usually being brought there by their parents, so they may or may not wanna be there in the first place, and then you're gonna have to deal with other issues that come along with that. That's true. And uh, I'll say as well, most people who start working with kids say, I don't know how teachers do it. We all talk about how teachers need more pay. Uh, I've seen kindergarten teachers who would not do well in high school. Uh, and I, I got my teaching credential in the States. I've also seen high school teachers who would not survive a week in kindergarten. And then junior high school teachers, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they're just a special breed. And I, I respect them a lot. So we're, we're going to focus on kids today because... Partly we don't have time to do all the adult questions, but also uh, I think with kids, it's easier to see who's on the autism spectrum. Angelo, can you give us like a quick rundown? What is autism? What is the ASD spectrum? All right, um, let's go to the web. Uh, I'm gonna share this article here. I found one that's from the CDC, which I believe is easier for people to understand. The right. one from the American Psychological Association, we'll put both in the episode notes. All right. But, um, but that one's a little more difficult. So guys, can you see this? I'm sharing the screen right now. Can you all? Yeah, I can see it. You can see it. Mickey, you can see it? Sure. All right, cool. So um, let's just go through it real quick. These are signs of the symptoms of the autism spectrum disorder. Before we start talking about the signs and symptoms, I want to talk about some questions that always come up about autism. Uh, some criticisms that people have of psychology. I need to address these before we start talking. Okay. One of the criticisms lately is that too many people are being diagnosed that's what the general public if you talk to anyone who doesn't do anything about psychology you'll see you know what fucking psychologists are always coming up everyone now has something wrong and what the hell when i was growing up this never was the problem now that's true the reason is because this diagnostic manual went from 20 years ago isn't the same one we're using now psychology evolves just like science evolves and as time passes they continue to change the diagnostic criteria so before there was this thing called Asperger's syndrome and another thing called autism. And they said they were similar, but they weren't together. That got eliminated recently. And now they have the autism spectrum disorder. This goes along with research for all. And the reason, the reason that all, everyone said that lately, it seems like everybody has something wrong with them. The problems were always there. It's just recently research has shown that rather than looking at it as a clear cut, you have a disorder or you don't have a disorder, they found that it's more of a spectrum. In other words, you can be severe 
really, really severe, or you might be just mild. In other words, your disorder doesn't exactly affect how you live your everyday life. So this brings us to the new diagnostic criteria for autism spectrum disorder. And that's why so many, it's not that more people have it, it's that now we can, they can include more people in the diagnostic criteria so that they can treat them. It's all about treatment. And I'm not talking about medical treatment either. That's a total different debate. And I'm trying to avoid debates while going into this, but I want to address this before we start. Okay. So please keep that in mind that the reason there's a spectrum disorder is because there used to be severe, they used to just be clear cut. It was only people who were severe. But now but it's was, not so clear cut then. It's not so clear cut anymore. They're, they're making it more of a spectrum where there's people that are severe mm -hmm. and people that are mild. And you can, be you, can, you can have autism and be mild. In other words, you have mild symptoms and you can live your everyday life. Or you can be severe where it's very obvious that there's a disorder in play. Now, before we go on, uh, Mickey, like, again, you and I are on the same level as far as what autism is. In your life, did you ever have any thoughts of what autism is? Or did you know about any of this? Hey, can I, I mean, really be blunt if, I mean, my parents... Um, I mean, kept it straight. I like honestly, it, I've never heard of autism until recently. Honestly, you know what I mean. So, uh, I'm this is all still a little new to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I've seen a few autistic kids, so I know uh, what that. I've seen severe. I think because when I used to work at the YMCA, um, yeah, you know, I run after school programs. This one kid just ran and dipped his head in the toilet i mean whoa you know that's i don't know if that's autism or that's just whatever that is but i mean that was pretty wild to me i don't know what you call that but you know and and yeah um yeah i don't I, that that's that's all i got john what do you that are got? probably on the on the spectrum then yeah and again there's definitely something wrong right it, there's red flags that come up it might be autism it might be something else but there's definitely red flags when you're working with kids because, you, uh, you know, you've worked with a lot of kids. You can see a difference between the kids that are quote unquote normal or average. And then you have these some kids that are just way doing their own thing. Like you said, with your kid, with your anecdotal. Right. Now, and I want to mention as well that we're talking about kids. And again, and this is for martial arts as well. In the dojo, we'll see this stuff all the time. Mickey, you, at the YMCA, you were teaching martial arts at that time. And this is going to affect kids. It's different than being in a classroom where they have to sit down. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. And again, these people do become adults. This doesn't just disappear one day. So, uh, and so I don't want to move on to the next part, but uh, how would you describe what exactly is autism? So now we're looking at, now that we've got that out of the way, the disclaimers. Um, you know, according to the CDC, autism spectrum disorder is a developmental disability caused by differences in the brain. And again, they're very, scientists still don't know what the differences are with, the pe with most people with autism spectrum disorder. So it's still something being researched. That's why not only does the general public not know much, honestly, the scientific community is still doesn't know what causes it. Mm -hmm. So like, it's still very mysterious, but they know there's something up. Like you, like, and if you go down, um, looking at the article, uh, ASD begins before the age of three. So like they can be, they can diagnose it and you can see symptoms as early as three. To make things quick and not, like I said, not drag things out, let's just look at the possible red flags. A person with ASD, which we're gonna, we're, we're gonna be referring to autism spectrum disorder as ASD from now on, just to make it easier. Um, 
they don't respond to their name by 12 months of age. That's a red flag. Um, not pointing to objects to show interest into them uh, by 14 months. Uh, they won't play pretend games. Like for example, they won't play with toys at all before 18 months. Avoiding eye contact and wanting to be alone. Uh, they'll have trouble understanding other people's feelings or talking about their own feelings. Having delayed speech and language skills. They'll repeat words or phrases over and over again. They'll give unrelated answers to questions. They get upset about minor changes. And this can also be, I'll add to this, minor changes in their environment. Um, to add a few anecdotal examples, just to make this easier. Well, here's, we'll go through it real quick. Have obsessive interests, flap their hands and rock their bodies. Sometimes you'll see them do this. Hmm. I've seen a lot of kids with autism do this or have a repetitive gesture like this. They'll rock back and forth when they're upset. Instead of crying, they'll do that. Um, have unusual reactions to the way things sound, smell, taste, look, or feel. I had one autistic child that was completely petrified of grass. They found grass to be mm -hmm. abrasive. She would freak out, and um, and that's how we. That's how they knew there was something wrong because they were terrified of grass. Hmm. So. Some more anecdotes. Uh, the whole thing about speech or language. In my English school, I had, because I teach kids as young as uh, babies. I have a baby class. I have children. I have adults bring in their babies, and I teach English, and the parents sit with their kids. I had one kid that was about four and still couldn't talk, couldn't speak Japanese, couldn't speak any language. So the parents wanted to bring him in to English classes to see if they can get something out of him. And um, sign number one very difficult to get the kid to come into the classroom because their autistic kids don't like new environments. So very clingy, didn't want to go in, ran out of the room to, through a big tantrum. So it took about three weeks of trying to get into the room to actually get him to come inside. Um, that's sign number one. I have another kid in the dojo that had the same experience. He was a little older. He was about nine or 10. And um, this could, this, both these kids are undiagnosed, by the way, and we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. But the same, same situation, the kid was about nine or 10, told his mom, I really want to do Kajikembo. I want to go train. It looks cool. I, I want to do this martial arts training. Likes me. I met, met him, talked to him. We were cool. But then when it came time to come into class, I'd see him outside, walk and look inside the window. And then he would shake his head no and run back to the car. And then his mom's like trying to get in. He's like, no. And he's like pushing the mom away. So finally the mom came out sat down outside and watched a class from outside and then said, I'm sorry. And then left. And then they did that for about two more weeks. Then he came in inside and watched a class from inside. And then finally around the third or fourth week, he finally came into class. I've seen that with kids. Definitely. That happens a lot with kids in the dojo. Uh, part of it. I mean, one thing that I got to mention as well, like I was talking to a special ed teacher about this stuff that they often feel a lot of people will see one or two symptoms. And they think, Oh my God, I might be autistic. And actually it's just actually being normal. Cause a lot of kids are shy. But these are important signs to pay attention as they add up and build up. That's where you start seeing that these kids in the dojo and, and adults as well, sometimes that they are on the spectrum. So going through real quick, some more red flags, social skills, examples of social skill issues. Um, again, um, not responding. Let's see if there's a new one. Only interacts to achieve desired or goal. In other words, they only interact with things they're interested in. Okay. So if you have a kid in the, in the dojo, that's like that, like they'll only want to do Maybe they'll just want to hit the bag. They don't want to join the rest of the class. That's a red flag. Um, has flat or inappropriate facial expressions. Um, laughs what they shouldn't. Or when something funny happens, doesn't laugh at all. Because mm -hmm. they don't get the joke because they don't understand what's going on. Um, doesn't understand personal space or boundaries. This is a person that gets a little too close to you. 
or doesn't want to get close to anyone at all. They don't want to be touched. Avoids resist physical contact. Is not comforted by others during distress. When an autistic kid does start having a tantrum or a flip out session where they're doing the, the shaking of the hands or they're walking in the corner, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Like if you try to, it'll get worse. The, the best thing you can do is give them their space and let it kind of just run its course. And this is good to know for any dojo instructors right now. You're working with kids and this is a thing to keep in mind. You can't just sit them down and say, stop. This yeah. Is, you have to let it run it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it run its course. Hey, you guys, you remember something about Mary? Yeah. Yeah. Was, is that it? Is this what we're like that? Like, you know, he took his headphones off and he flipped out and that that's, is this, uh, is that autistic? And before Angelo says anything, I'm going to say that a lot of these that, like that shows up in comedy movies and stuff. Uh, there's a there's a TV show I've never seen. I think it's called Monk. It's about like an autistic guy who's like a detective. Like, OCD. That was OCD. But yeah. That was OCD. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, a lot of this stuff shows up in comedies, especially, and it's played for laughs. But I don't know, Angelo, is that autism? I'm trying to remember that, that guy. He, he touched his headphones and he got really mad about it. And I can't... Yes. I can't, I can barely remember the movie at this point. Go back at YouTube, <laughs> but, um, brother, real quick. <laughs> yeah. That's our homework. We're going to check but, out the um, video later. But yeah, that, um, that would be a sign. That would be a red flag. Okay. Um, you know what? Hey, guys, looking at this list, I mean, I, I do some of these, but I mean, so I'm kind of like, am I autistic? <laughs> like I was just saying, man. Like I was just saying. A lot of people say, wait a second, I might do this too. And this is why we got to look at this stuff. So yeah, like I said, let's look at the list and then we'll talk about why you may or may not be on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, Angela's going to ask me a list of questions later. Mickey, you can answer these as well. So has trouble understanding other people's feelings or talking about their own feelings. Um, this is a person that may just start interjecting while people are talking and go off on an off topic rant or, and, or completely not understand when someone's upset and continue to upset them by saying something that upset them, but just doesn't get it. Okay. Um, like communi- my wife. Oh, <laughs> Under communication, uh, delayed speech, as we talked about early, repeating words or phrases over and over again, reversing their pronouns, saying you instead of I, uh, giving unrelated answers to questions, does not point or respond to pointing, uses few or no gestures, talks in a flat robot-like, or a sing-song voice. Robot-like. I knew a guy who was diagnosed with, um, at the time, Asperger's. Now he would just be considered uh, intellectual ASD, which we're not going to get into this pinpoints, but functioning, a functioning person with ASD. And um, he he always talked like this, very monotone, constantly talked in one monotone voice at all times. And then I knew another, and I've also seen other kids that were autistic that kind of talk like this and they kind of go and they're like their voice goes up and then it comes back down. That's another sign of, um, of autism does not do pretend play, uh, does not understand jokes, sarcasm, or teasing. This is a big one. I have an adult that, um, that I taught that had just did not understand jokes or sarcasm. I, I you know, I throw in, you know, sometimes you're teaching and you kind of throw in a funny joke or whatever while you're teaching and everyone kind of laughs and he'd just be sitting there like, <laughs> Yeah. And he nod, he's not, he'd nod his head. I was being sarcastic about stabbing a guy in the neck, and he just nodded his head like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stab a guy in the neck every week. I understand. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Ah, so, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, so like everyone else was laughing except for this guy. And that's why I was like, okay, there, there's something up. Either he stabs people in the neck or he didn't get the joke. 
it, it, and he didn't stab people in the neck. He just did, he didn't get the joke. But as far, as, <laughs> as far as I know, unusual interests or behaviors uh, for kids. They'll line up toys or objects in a line, in a straight line, for absolutely no reason. Every time a kid, you say, hey, go play with the toys, uh, they'll line up the toys in a, in a straight line. Uh, plays with the toys the same way every time. So let's say the kid likes to pile up, uh, let's say the kid likes to grab animal toys and pile them up and do like a Jenga thing. It's cool to do that once in a while, but that's all they do. And then if another kid stops them from doing it, they'll start freaking out and doing the rocking thing. That's a very big sign. Hmm. Uh, Likes parts of objects. Usually, I have a kid who f really loves wheels, trains, train wheels, and just spinning the train wheels, spinning the train wheels, spend hours doing that. Is very organized. Uh, not a bad thing, but yeah, they'll be very organized. And again, gets upset about minor changes. Sometimes the kids will have things a certain way and uh, they keep their pencil a certain way on their desk. And then if another kid pushes the pencil, oh boy, big freak out and flipping out and just, you know, that's another sign has obsessive interests has to follow a certain routine and if the routine is broken they will freak out they wake up at a certain time they go to school at a certain time that's why it takes them so long to adjust to a new setting okay. flaps hands or rocks body i said that earlier other symptoms can include and here's what we're going to talk about comorbid the idea that you can have asd and you can also have ocd and you can also have adhd okay so that's why sometimes these things can get confused hyperactivity impulsive acts without thinking has a short attention span this is more adhd if it's comorbid aggression aggression comes up because if you break the routine they'll get very angry um i had that same kid that was on the spectrum uh he bit and scratched his brother because he he messed up his routine he was really upset about it causing self-injury sometimes they'll hurt themselves they'll whack their head i had one kid that would whack his head on the wall mm -hmm. and just didn't stop doing that uh temper tantrums as i mentioned unusual eating and sleeping habits unusual mood uh unusual sleeping habits a lot of these people do suffer from insomnia so that's another red flag unusual mood or emotional reactions lack of fear or more fear than expected okay so the same kid that i was talking about that uh that had autism in my class we went on a beach trip and the first time he reached the water he was freaked out didn't want to touch it freaked him out he didn't want to get in the water couldn't even dip his toes they finally eased him into doing it. And the next year when we went to back to the beach, he swam out with absolutely no fear and didn't even realize he was being dragged out into the ocean. Yeah. Okay. And so like, and there was like no fear. By the time he realized there was something wrong, it was too late. And like, luckily I, I saw it happening. So I went after and got him. But yeah, unusual reactions to the thing, way things sound. So I already mentioned that. Okay. So those are all the criteria. So put it in one sentence. What is autism? In layman's, yeah. In layman's, autism, for the using from my experiences, autism is a disorder that makes people interact with people in a very different way, and when they're kids, they'll be very socially awkward. Okay, so they're really social awkward kids. That's what I would say. Like okay. in a very layman's term that anyone can understand, they're very socially awkward kids. Okay. Now, Mickey, you and I, we've dealt with kids like this. Uh, at the dojo, I've seen kids rolling around the floor, can't focus. You know, they've been good kids, but it's distracting to other kids. I've had a kid come in who, five years old, couldn't speak. He would just communicate with grunting on the dojo floor. Uh, he would scratch the hell out of his mom, anybody who touched him. 
Now, Mickey, I want to ask you this question as a coach and as a father, not your opinion, but how do you think most fathers, most parents feel number one about their kids training and learning next to a special needs kid. And number two, about their own kids being possibly on the special needs spectrum. Well, I know if my kids were next to a, you know, a, a spectrum kid, they would just kind of, you know, keep their distance a little bit and be like, um, you know, and, and then, you know, they'll come up and talk to me later, like, uh, what was wrong with that kid? You know? Um, and I'm sorry, your second question was? How do you, well, not only other kids, but your own kids. How do most parents feel about, oh, maybe my kid's on the ASD spectrum? Hell no. You know what? I mean, again, this is all new. And my little six-year-old likes to line up the toothpaste. Like, like she's organized. I mean, that that's cool. Um, but all the other little things, um, she doesn't like, you know, get all, like she doesn't shake or anything. Um, but she does have her tantrums sometimes. But nothing, I don't know. I mean, I don't, on a scale of one to 10 of, of where she's at, may, maybe Journey's a two. Okay. You know, I, I mean, you know, but like she likes to get organized, mm -hmm. but I don't think she has, uh, you know, mm -hmm. um, any, any more symptoms of, of this. How do you think most parents feel about that? Like I've heard some people say, no. well, autism's garbage. You don't have autism, blah, blah, blah. That's, you know, you're well, normal. They're really aggressive in saying this stuff doesn't exist when it comes to their own kids. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if I had, <laughs> if I had any kind of weird autism, my, my, and this, I'm not, and I'm not cracking any jokes is I get the freaking whatever I have would slap be slapped out of me. Right. Old school. Like <laughs> that's what my parents would do. And I'm, and I'm, you know, that's real. Like, that but, is real. you know what, if, if they hold hardly, if the child has an issue, I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, that's, that's rough. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta find out what's wrong because yeah, the kid can cut himself, run his head through a wall, like dip his head in the toilet. I mean, that's, that's serious, man. You know, he might drink freaking Clorox. You don't know, mm -hmm. you know, that's why that's that, that. I mean, you gotta look at those signs and kind of wonder and, and see how they are with other kids. That's why I kind of like seeing my kids with other kids. Cause I want them to see, cause they're around each other all the time. So, you know, they're pretty like, something's wrong you know like they're really transparent with with me and christy you know all right so yeah you, you mentioned like getting it slapped out of you like here in japan all the traditional martial arts uh, the sword the bow the spear all that everything is right-handed you are not allowed to hold a katana if you're uh, as a left-handed person you just do it the other way you have no i guess i'm gonna get slapped then huh you might get hit with a bamboo stick that's about it um what if i disarm them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or La uh, You got some questions for for me. Are you gonna ask us some questions about our childhood next, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you want to go there, just yeah. One more quick disclaimer, though. Going back to your question that you asked, Mike Mickey, about if having kids, right? And what do you do if your kid, if you feel there's something wrong? You know, one really easy way to know without looking at uh, online and freaking yourself out, like oh. You know, she has it or whatever, what, or he, you know, my, my kid, I think my kid has it. One really easy way to know is when they're at school and talking to your teachers, because your teachers are spending more time with your kid with other kids than you are. And they know, and a lot of teachers know, and they won't say anything to the parents because they're afraid, like you said, that they're going to cause a problem, especially in Japan, 
they're afraid they're gonna make the parent mad. But uh, if you as a parent, I mean, I know I'm always asking my daughter, cause I mean, I studied all this stuff and I have my daughter, so I'm always watching her and it can get really easy to freak out. So what I normally do is I always talk to the teachers. Is everything okay? It's, like in school, is she interacting okay? If there's every, anything that comes up, don't hesitate to tell me. Cause I wanna know. Cause what I do know and what I can say is early diagnosis. I know here in Japan, there's not much that can be done, but in America, there's a lot of treatment available. There's a lot of uh, programs available that can pretty much teach your kid to be functional. So even if they're severe or even if they're moderate, if they get into a program early, uh, they can give them coping mechanisms so that when, as they grow up, they'll learn how to function in regular society. And that's what all, as a parent, that's all you want is you want your kid to be successful and to be liked by others. And they'll give them the tools for that. So you shouldn't fear having a diagnosis. That's what I always always say for me. I say so, about you know what? Go ahead, Mickey. Oh, you know what though? I'll tell you the, for the parents that are in denial, my kid's fine. My kid's fine. You know, and, and that's, that's the problem is they're not fine. And it, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, we just got um, some reports that, you know, journey journeys, you know, great doing great in class and this is virtual learning now. So, but, you know, and, and Tiffany's Tiffany, so she, she's good. But I mean, yeah, definitely engagement with the teacher, like another set of eyes. But then whatever your teacher gives you is up to, for you to decide. You know what I mean? That's kind of like, well, uh, your kid has it. What do you think? Nah, nah. Then, then you guys have that clash. Then, you know, then, you know, at least you kind of covered your, you know, your, your end, you know. So it's up to the parents to be like, hey, we got to look at this, but, you know. Yeah, I want to mention a little more of that coping mechanism. First, we're going to take our next shot, and then we're going to take our next step. Uh, Angelo's going to be getting ready to ask us some questions, but let's do this shot first. Uh, Angelo's drinking uh, high-quality vodka water. High-quality vodka water? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I just got now, done with the 10K, so this water is just wonderful. <laughs> now, I got to say real quick, uh, we talked about this. Angelo's going to ask us a series of questions. I'm kind of excited about this, and there's a reason for that. Uh, Angel's going to ask us some questions regarding kids being on the ASD spectrum or not. We're going to talk about our childhoods, partly because we don't have time to talk about the adult side, but also it's easier to see as kids. The biggest reason this is big for me is when I was getting my teaching credential, I was talking with a special ed teacher and she let me take this test that elementary school kids would take and it would say, you know, you score high enough, maybe you're on the spectrum. You might want to talk to a doctor. And this was about 15, almost 20 years ago. Uh, 15 years ago, something like that. But what happened was I took this test because they let us do it and I scored low. So great. I'm not a 12 year old kid with autism, but something felt weird. And this is where that coping mechanism comes in. I took the test again, but I pretended I was 12 years old again. I went back and I thought about my fears as a 12 year old, what confused me, everything that made life kind of difficult was 12 years old. And then suddenly on the test, I was only one or two points away from being on the spectrum it totally changed the test results. Then I found out about these coping mechanisms that you talk about. Uh, kids grow up, and again, this happens in the dojo too. If you ever see some guys that are not normal in the, on the floor, they learn to act normal, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, so I wanna see what happens now. I'm excited to see what happens. And Mickey, I wanna know your thoughts on this as well. Answer the questions, but you've trained with me. You've seen my quirks. I've always been weird. I've always been socially awkward. I just learned to hide it as I got older. Now I'm getting older, I kind of give less of a crap. I probably still feel more socially awkward, but 
Angelo, take it away. What's going to be up next? All right. Um, so just going back to the criteria, I'm just going to throw out some questions based on what we saw. Okay. So uh, going back to not responding by your name. Some of this stuff's going to be a little bit tough, but do it, did any of you remember, did any of your parents ever mention that, that, you, had, that you weren't responding to your, to your name when you were called before you were like, when you were young, when you were about a year old, um, did they mention anything like, hey, you know, you kind of didn't start talking, you started talking late or anything like that? Nah, not for me. I will say I grew up shy, but I think that was just being shy. But when did you start talking or did you know, do you know when you started talking? No, I know that I remember being told that I was a kid. I was quiet, like as a baby, like I, I wasn't one of the, the loud crying ones. That's about all I can say. Okay. Mickey? I'm, I'm good. I, I think when people said my name, I responded and, you know, I was pretty attentive. So yeah, I'm okay. good. All right. Um, as a kid, uh, did you not like playing pretend games? Like you didn't like playing with toys. Uh, this could be up to 18 months by 18 months. So this is again, very young. I don't know if you can remember any of this, but, um, this is kind of weird for me. I remember playing pretend games, but I remember very early thinking I wanted to stop. Okay. I remember feeling uncomfortable with it. Uh, maybe by the time I was 10 or 11, it felt I didn't want to do the pretend games anymore. I do remember that pretty well. Okay. Okay. I'll tell you what, I, uh, man, I just played this game, Dungeon and Dragons, now. Um, you played that? What? Mickey, bro, you played Dungeons and Dragons? I think, but I think I was in either seventh or eighth grade or either freshman. And, you know, I guess I was way past it, but as a kid, I was. I don't think I, I was always running around, so I didn't really have time to really think about stuff. So I was just always on the move. Okay. After this, we're going to talk more about Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, next question. Um, did you have issues with making eye contact? Like if someone made eye contact with you, and this is not an age specific thing. This can even be now, but if a, if a, if a teacher, not just kids, maybe kids too, but like even your parents, especially your parents, because I know it can be easy to say that a stranger makes eye contact with you don't want to make eye contact and it has to do with something completely different. But with your actual parents, did you have a hard time? Did it make you feel uncomfortable to have eye contact with your mom or dad? Yes. As a child, as a child. Yes. Uh, okay. everybody, including family. I learned to overcome that. I, pretty young. I think I learned to overcome it largely because of the martial arts, maybe as a teenager. Martial arts and drama in high school helped me uh, along with uh, spiritual stuff, religious stuff. That, that helped me overcome. But yeah, I do remember having a hard time with that. Okay. You know what? I am not going to lie. I still have a hard time with that now. Um, I don't know what it is. If I don't really know you, I don't want to look you in the eye. For some reason, it's kind of like like a disrespectful thing, but once I get to know you and I can look you in the eye or not like dog you down, but yeah, like, and again, that has to do what I'm saying. I'm not saying strangers. I'm specifically saying people you are already comfortable with. Cause it's oh, actually, yeah, look, it's, it's normal and cultural not to want to make eye contact with people that you just met. That's different. I'm talking more like mom, dad, wife, kids, like, you know how you can grab, maybe you can pick up your kid and look your, look your child in the eyes and like you can, like you can lock eyes for a little bit and say something, give her a hug or whatever. Have you ever felt uncomfortable doing that? Okay. Millie mentioned that as well. I feel even now it feels like a special thing. When I, make eye when I lock eyes with a friend or, or my wife or anybody, it's partly feeling this is a challenge and that's what makes it something not normal in a good way. 
Okay. All right. Um, have you ever had trouble understanding other people's feelings? Um, and there's a second part to this, but have you ever had a problem understanding how people feel? Have you felt challenged? Like you just can't really figure out whether someone's angry or happy with you. It's hard for you to read people's body language. I, I feel like since social media came out, I've noticed it harder to notice, but that's kind of hard for me to answer. As a, as a kid, do you remember having trouble with that? Like, do you remember pissing people off because you thought they were okay or yeah, not understanding whether that? Yeah, I did that. I got carried away with jokes and stuff because I thought we were all having fun. Then I realized two minutes later, oh, fuck, I said the wrong thing. I shouldn't have said that. And I wasn't paying attention to what they were really feeling. I, I did notice that, yeah. Okay. I think I was pretty quiet. I mean, I, I look, if it was funny, I laughed. If it wasn't funny, I didn't. There it is. You know? <laughs> Did you ever have issues talking about your own feelings, like feeling whether you're happy, sad, angry, you had a hard time communicating this with, with your loved ones? No, but I think as a kid, I really got into music early and that became the way I could do it. Music and movies, I was able to explain happiness and sadness and how it made me feel. Outside of that, I, had, I couldn't do it. I wasn't able to express it so easily. Uh, maybe in writing. Even elementary school, I got into writing a little bit and maybe in writing, but otherwise in speaking, I had a harder time. Even today, I have a hard time once in a while really expressing and feeling like I expressed it right. You know, what's funny, guys, is, uh, and this is why I think I train for, the, and I still won't stop. I bottle things up a lot and I'll hold it in. And if I, if I don't, if I tell you something or you don't like, if you know you did something and I hold it and I don't tell you, then there's a problem. So yeah, I, I get that. I, you know, I, I don't like conflict, but if, if it's, it gets to a point where I can't, you know, the bag isn't doing the job, you know, get a drink. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that answered that question, Angelo, no, but... I don't think it did. Does the autism spectrum include alcoholism? I'm not sure about that last drink message. <laughs> well, you know, I am going to go... Actually, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to mention something. Uh, substance abuse, not just drinking a little bit, but having a substance abuse issue, a lot of times is a person masking a psychological disorder. Mm -hmm. Every person with a substance abuse, and substance abuse meaning you drink so much that it, it, it impairs how like you're getting so drunk you can't go to work the next day that kind of a thing okay thank like, god i'm all right yeah so like a lot of people uh, from the psychology uh, okay there's a big difference between the the definition of alcoholism from the from the psychologist point of view and from for example aa uh point of view because aa is not run by psychologists that's run by a completely different thing i'm not going to go there but okay. but according to psychology a substance abuse issue is if you're using a substance any substance uh alcohol or drugs to cope with everyday life and you need it like you need it in other words you can't make it through the day without it and if you don't have it it's going to affect the way you treat people and that's that's when you know you have a problem okay um so we already talked about the delayed speech have you uh have you ever had any issues repeating the same word or phrase over and over again yes okay. yes Oh. Yes. Uh, growing up Catholic, I tried to pray and I remember, I specifically remember not feeling that my amen was good and re repeating amen, amen, trying to repeat it 
over and over and over again, something about it. That's one specific example. I think there are other cases as well. In my head, I'm repeating what I just said for five minutes. Uh, and then, yeah, I've definitely got that. Well, you know what was tough about my, uh, my upbringing was my, my dad was a Protestant and my mom was a Catholic. So uh, I'm still kind of confused on which way to go. I mean, oh, but that's why yeah, you- I mean, I'll just leave it right there. But I think that's another podcast. You know, so I'll just leave it. You don't know. You must be with me. Anyways, that's something else, guys. For real. Hey, for real, man. Look, first of all, yeah, Catholics is where, you know, the people my age would go. And, you know, my grandfather was Protestant. We'd always go and, like, yeah, people were praying because they were going to kick the bucket the next day. That's, that's all they were. <laughs> That's real talk, man. I'm serious. I I didn't see no one my age. You know, everyone was uh pretty much, you know. Yeah, a lot of people religious when they're about to die. It's just gonna <laughs> yeah, that's pretty normal. Sorry. <laughs> right, next question. Let's go on. Um, uh, we, uh, this is a hard one because we do this all the time with the podcast, but I think it has to do more with the way we are with the podcast in our lives. But as a kid. Did you ever give unrelated answers to questions? An example of this would be the teacher asks a question, a very, a very black and white question. Um, let's say, for example, who's the president? Uh, who's the first president of the United States? And you answer and go on a tangent about a completely different topic. Like you just you answer, and you're like, you know, you start talking about a completely different topic that you're interested in that had nothing to do with class. Well, you know, I was listening to heavy metal music the other day, and I was listening to Van Halen afterward. No. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely, definitely did. Um, I think, but again, this is partly me as a kid. I felt like I was aware of some of this stuff, and I wanted to change it. So I do feel like a lot of my life was trying extra hard to answer the black and white question, because... When I'm not careful, even today, my regular conversation, I will go off on tangent after tangent and forget what we were talking about. I do that all the time. I have to try really. I'm very conscious and aware. Uh, even now, we're doing this podcast. I have an idea of what do we want to talk about. I got it all planned out. Like uh, I've learned to improv through high school, but everything, I got to plan everything out because if I don't, I know I'm going to do that. Mickey? <laughs> if I asked you what time it is and you said it was sunny out, that would be, <laughs> good. Uh, man, you know what? I'll answer the question. Um, but if I, if I get to a topic that's I'm passionate about and we're, we're going here, I might veer off. I, that's, that's just the way it goes. But uh, for the most part, if I'm asked a direct question, I'll give you a direct answer. Pretty All much. Right. All right. Okay, um, bring it to our next step. Did you ever get, and we're going to combine the question. This is going to go with having an obsessive interest. No, no, this is going to go for the minor changes. Did you ever get upset about minor changes? So your parents had a certain routine and schedule. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, that's me too, as a nutshell. Um, but that has to do not so much with me being on the ASD spectrum, but I have social anxiety. Um, and that's a total different podcast. I have issues with social anxiety. And to manage that, I've come up with a really rigid schedule mm-hmm. of how and when I'm going to interact with large groups of people. And it takes a lot of focusing. That's why you see me training every morning. I need that mm-hmm. to get through the day. If I don't have that, 
then I have a hard time dealing with people. And that's has yeah, nothing to do with feel A's. bad. That's why I got to work out too. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. I'm like, dang. You know who you remind me of, bro, Angelo? You remind me of, uh, like, David Goggins working out. It makes me feel bad. So I got to go and work out. Come on, bro. I'm for real, man. I'm like, man. Because the minute I wake up in the morning, for some reason, the stupid thing goes, Dink! and then I see Angelo working out. And I'm like, oh. Got to. <laughs> Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see you hitting the bag. I gotta go hit the bag. <laughs> I'm glad that my my so, my my social anxiety like quirk has has, has been able to inspire oh, other people. <laughs> you know, because I I think I have it then. You know what? Because and that's 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 again that's that's not ASD. That has to do with other stuff. Like I do have social anxiety. So maybe you do. Maybe you have issues with anxiety or and or depression, which kind of go hand in hand, and it helps you with that. And I think that's a healthy coping mechanism going back to what i said earlier can you go back to the question one time angela what was the oh yeah do you get upset about minor changes in your routine so going back to your childhood did either of you ever get upset like if every morning for breakfast you wanted to eat the same thing whatever it was and suddenly your mom i don't know rather than giving you frosted flakes she gave you i don't know fruit fruit loops and you threw a fucking fit because you didn't couldn't handle it mickey what do you think you know what Whatever I was given, I ate. I didn't really, you know, say, hey, you know, what the hell is this? I just like, you eat what I give you. So, hey, you don't uh, like it, you don't eat. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, as I rolled it, that was the same thing for me. Uh, but as far as that system, as a kid, it didn't, I'm not going to say it bothered me, but I honed in on it. I knew that Monday morning and Wednesday morning was this for breakfast. Tuesday and Thursday was this for breakfast. And now as an adult, yeah, I realized just this last year, some people who at work who, got, who probably didn't like me anymore, they, they kind of mentioned to each other about how particular John is. And I was thinking about that and like thinking about it, wow, for like for the last five, six, 10, 12 years working at this place, like, yeah, there were times like I couldn't do it a different way. I had to say, give me a minute. I'm going to go to this room and do it my usual way. Uh, as a kid, I think, I don't know, homework had to be done a certain way. I couldn't change my patterns. Uh, even now, I can't change my patterns. Uh, I hate uh, doing my days off differently than usual. I hate doing things out of order. It just doesn't feel right. I feel really uncomfortable. As a kid, I think I was just kind of led. I have no choice in the matter. You know, you, just, you do what you got to do. You know, I take that back. It, uh, my grandma pretty much raised me um, when I was growing up. And if she saw I wasn't eating, she'd make me something I wanted. So I'd take that back. You know, but if my mom was around, she kind of laid the gauntlet down. But, you know, you know, grandma was always like, oh, baby, you don't want to eat that? We can go to McDonald's. I'll give you money, go to McDonald's, whatever, just to just so I eat. So I'd take that back. And hey, if grandma was around, grandma took care of me. If mama was around, I'd have shoved it down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> Mom will beat your ass with La Chancla, but nobody can beat grandma. Nobody's on top of that. <laughs> so for my next one, and this is going to be rough because I know we're both martial artists and I know we're both obsessed with martial arts. But looking at our martial arts, have you ever had an obsessive interest? In other words, and here's, a, I'm going to give you a quick anecdote about one of the guys that looked at these questions and I sent him the article and he read the whole article and he came back to me, one of my students, and he said, yeah, I'm on the spectrum. And the reason he said that is because of the way he needs things explained to him. Mm -hmm. For me, 
So I can see, I'm one of those lucky bastards that can see a technique. I'm a kinesthetic learner. I see the technique. They do the technique on me. Boom. I'm drilling it. Done. Maybe you show it one or two times. Sometimes once. I have this weird thing where I see it once and I'm like, boom, got yeah, it. That's not me. And then go. I a bunch of times. Some people, these, now here's the thing. Within that, there's some people that not only need to see it a lot of times, but they need a very long lecture. Like you grab the sleeve at a 90 degree angle, then you put your foot at a 30 degree angle and you're now you're, you're five centimeters here and you're, they need that kind of an explanation. They want that kind of an explanation. I've had to learn how to use those kind of explanations. It's tiring for me because like, especially if the other kinesthetic learners in the class are like, okay, good, we're good. I, I got it. I want to go. I'm ready to, to start drilling this. But my, the, my, my student who's on the spectrum is like, needs that explanation like man fucking angela just won't shut the fuck up so we can get our drills going but that's what that's what i mean within, within the martial arts that's what i mean it can be outside of martial arts it can be a very specified obsessive interest in trains or or statistical programming i knew another guy who was really in statistical programming like he, he studied psychology but he was all about the program like he knew everything about this program that we use to analyze statistics and he knew all about like where the the the, the sigma and he knew all the stuff about math that generally the computer does it for you but he knew all about it and he was really interested in that that's what i mean by an obsessive interest so starting with you, have you had an obsessive interest like like i just mentioned yeah. that kind of an obsessive interest in having something you love being explained or learning wanting to dive that deep John. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, the thing about martial arts is I wish I were more obsessed. Uh, I, I love it and I try to do it every day and train whenever I can. The thing for me though, as a kid, I was obsessed with video games. To this, get, to this day, um, I'll relax, I'll kick back and I'll, I can play a video game all day if I got the time for it and I would, it would just hone in on it. Okay. Um, Let me give you I, one more anecdote, John, to add to that. Um, I'm going to give you one more anecdote. I had a, I knew a kid growing up who was on the, who was severely, he was severe because he was diagnosed in the eighties and they'd only diagnose if you were severe. So he had severe autism. He couldn't talk. He had severe autism and he had a brain injury. So he was slightly mentally challenged. No, he was severely mentally challenged. He couldn't talk. He would walk around going, bubba, bubba. And you'd have to figure out with the sounds how to talk to him. Mm -hmm. But you'd put a game controller in his hands and he would play Mario Brothers. And on purpose, he would play the first level and die on one section. But he, on the way there, he would get every single coin, kill every single Koopa Troopa. He would perfectly play the game to this one point and then die. And then he'd reset the, he'd reset the Nintendo and do it again until he get to the end of the level and finish it perfectly with a perfect score. Yeah. You know what, guys? That was my cousin. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you want to talk about screws loose? Um, you know, remember that? I don't know if you guys – I'm going to flash you guys back. There was, like, the Nintendo Championships, right? Yeah. Remember that? Like, yeah, he was yeah. huge. Hey, he was at that level where – you know, he would get into trouble, like he got thrown in jail, like he would do some crazy stuff, put that video game in his hand. He would beat Super Mario in one day. He beat Zelda in one day. Mm -hmm. Real talk, guys. That got my my cousin was on another level in that. He was because yes, he was crazy. so no, dude, he did it. 
And this is, and then you know what you guys are making me think about is Rain Man. Remember Rain Man? Yeah. yeah. That's autism. That was autism. It's a perfect movie about autism. Not perfect, but yep. for its time, yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, example. because I mean, you, his math, right? He was so like, yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, but from my perspective, are we talking about when I was a kid or now? We can do both. Okay, so I've had a lot of teachers throughout the years, right? And, you know, Mickey, just go and see what happens. All right, cool. Then they come back and explain me what happened. And then as I've progressed, you know, I have teachers that or coaches that are more like, hey, keep your elbow in or, or no, you got to take a little slide. They got a little more attention to detail, and I start to like that more. But if the explanations got too big, I got too overwhelmed. You know, I was like, like man, today was a perfect example. You know, um, I was trying to just do this one technique that I do over and over and over again. And my, my training partner was like, I was getting frustrated, but I've been here so many times. And I just had a brain block. I just froze. He goes, what's wrong with you? I was like, what? Ah. And he like, he saw my brain just freeze because I want perfection and I want it a certain way. It's, dude, it, I, I go through that all. Just like I'm a graphic artist. It's perfect, right? I control, delete it. I start everything over again. I don't know why. That's an artist thing. There's a lot of artists yeah. who just want to do the exact yeah. well, that, and That's why it's a rough one with us as artists. This is a rough one because – one of the things they always said in my psychology class is a lot of this stuff is great to diagnose a disorder, except for artists. And they always mention that, except for artists. Artists, it's weird. Artists, sometimes they do have a disorder. Like, uh, I don't know, I, I, a really big one was uh, Van Gogh. Was it Van Gogh? I think it was Van Gogh. He's the one Van who put here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Van Gogh. He, 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 was, he, was, he had bipolar disorder. A lot of a lot of artists will have disorders and they'll use their disorder to get very good at their art. Mm -hmm. Also, um, you know, a lot of artists in general may have traits that seem like disorders to be good at their art. That's why I said it's really hard. This one particular is hard for us as artists to answer. I think um, for me as a musician, I think that was my problem is that I wanted songs to be so much a certain way that it wasn't until years later I was able to write anything good because I wanted it a certain way. And they said, no, we should change this. And like, no, nah, it's gotta be the certain specific way. I was obsessed with getting it straight on that way. Let's go on to the next question. Did you ever find yourself as a kid or as an adult having a tick, uh, flapping your hands, rocking your body, spinning in circles because something upset you? Nope. Nah, but I did have kind of, uh, uh, I did learn to get gestures from other people. Like the best example I had was uh, I had a teacher who had dreadlocks and he would always do this with his hair. And at the time I had the anime hairstyle coming down over here. And I, soon after uh, I started doing that all the time. Every time I would just start doing this. And I found myself following other people as well. Uh, little small things, facial gestures. Uh, Grandmaster Juarez, for example, would sometimes go do these facial things, but he asked him a question. He's thinking, he kind of says facially. And I realized I started doing that as well. I took that off of him. So I do get, I do seem to steal ticks off of other people. All right. All right. Okay. Um, our last question for the sake of time. All right. I'm, I'm going to combine this. Have you ever had an unusual reaction to the way something sounds, smells, tastes, looks, or feels? 
Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Mickey. What you got? Oh yeah, I mean, um, it, like <laughs> right now, Tiffany's learning to play the violin. <laughs> man, all right. Um, I gotta strum, Daddy. I don't know, like. Oh man, it's like it's like nails on the chalkboard, gentlemen. It's and then she's learning. Uh, she's learning how to play, right? So she's like, it's like a bad play. I, the unusual reaction is to something normal. Like, for example, um, like I said, some the one autistic, uh, one of the autistic people that I read a case study on had was terrified of grass. She described grass as she saw, she said she didn't understand how people would look at, the, at a field of grass and be like, oh, it's such a nice field of grass because she saw it as protruding spiky blades that were razor sharp with jagged edges. And it, she did not like the way grass looked and felt. To her, when walking on grass was like stepping on broken glass. That's what she was mentioned in her book. I so never like, had anything like that. For me, exact opposite was uh, the silence. Like now I've learned meditation kind of stuff, it's cool to have silence. But I remember as a kid being afraid of silence. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember coming home and as soon as I could, I'd run in, turn on the radio. I'd have some sound there. Yeah, I didn't stop listening to music while I was sleeping until I came to Japan and got married, basically. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, I don't... I'm sorry, can I... One more time that question, please. An unusual reaction to something that's not... That's not bad. Like, in your kid's case, maybe they're playing the violin badly or they're learning how to play it, so they go, ah! You know, like, ah! That's kind of normal. That's a normal reaction. But let's say you're, let's say someone was playing violin, just like a professional violinist was playing violin, but you found just the sound of a violin to be, ha, now that might be a sign. No, I'm going to use that, the whole grass thing. I, that to me, for her to see grass as like nails and, and, and I think that's pretty cool, man, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't. <laughs> look at that as a disorder i just think of that as she saw something else um guys i'm stuck on that i'm gonna have to come back to that but i i guess if i saw something that i would probably just stay away from it honestly i think i don't know if that's i'm answering that question properly but no i think i think what you're, what you're pretty much mentioning is like you know as someone who's not on the spectrum you don't have something that you would find abrasive that everyone else finds normal. Now, what you did touch on though was really interesting, was that you looked at that as not something bad, but as something cool. And as someone who studied psychology, when I saw that in her case, I said, I'm like, that's really cool. Like this person sees the world very differently. And I didn't see that as a bad thing. And I think that's a great, I mean, we're, we're, um, we're almost towards our wrap up here, but I think that's a really great way to look at it when we're working with as teachers when we're working with someone who is on the spectrum to be able to look at it as it's not that there's something wrong as much as they see things very differently well that's why when i see people that are doing something different i don't think whoa that's you're not like us you know like like for example if your hair is a rainbow i mean okay that's that's the way you feel i mean you know, whatever. It's just, I mean, if you come to San Francisco, you'll see a whole bunch of that. I mean, 
everyone has their own style you know it's just like the martial arts you know it's just like all right i can see that i like that but if now if if you okay then we're going back to the martial arts again if you hit if you knock someone out without touching them then i'll look at you funny <laughs> there's a good reason for that okay so yeah so john so, we went through the whole we went through the whole criteria okay um so then what do you, as we continue what, what are your thoughts now, Let's take our next shot. We're on shot number three. We're close to the end. Uh, oh, sorry. Nikki's oh, thirsty. <laughs> so, we're talking about how you guys feel about this. Uh, as we get closer to the end, I want to ask you guys, as fighters and martial artists, how do you think fighting martial arts, Kaiju Kembo, impacts these people not just the kids i mean because i've seen kids come in and yeah the discipline the focus it can even help autistic kids but not just the kids the adults as well how does what we do help people on the spectrum for you angelo well from my personal experience and the student that i had that i kind of saw that and i gave him the information um just a sense of relief like when I gave him the information, cause he was always doing this kind of stuff. I was teaching him and he would, he would do all these really weird social stuff. He always wanted me to do these really detailed explanations, which was great. I think it made me a better instructor cause I'm a kinesthetic learner and I'm so used to just being like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, go. But his explanations made me really think about the techniques differently, which made my learning of the technique better. Um, a little difficult sometimes when I want to get class moving, but I started learning to take him aside. Like, so like they, they do it. Okay. Are you all ready to go? He's like, I still need some more. I'm like, okay, all of you go drill this me and me and this student are going to go on the side and work on this. So his sense of relief when he, when he self-diagnosed and he went back to his mother and his mother, his mother didn't know. And she still doesn't know. He's like, I'm not going to tell my mom. He, oh, he's, uh, I'm not going to say, cause he might watch this podcast later and I don't want to mention too much of his background, but either way, um, yeah, he told me his mother, his mother said, thank you. And, um, wanted to thank me for the training. Cause he's changed since he started the training. And then when he self-diagnosed and he learned that's what was going on, um, it became easier to accept that, Hey, this might not be the social. The reason that person told me to shut up apparently was because I was ranting and I do this not because I'm a bad person, but because I see things differently. And he stopped being so hard on himself. Cause sometimes he'd be hard on himself. Like, he get yelled at by someone because we'd all have our martial arts circle at the end where we're supposed to talk and he'd go off on some rant or he'd start talking to someone while someone else was talking and he'd get in trouble with the head guy. Hey, you need to be quiet. You're in Japan. They're very strict. He's like, Oh, I think so-and-so's mad at me. And I'm like, it's okay, man. Like, you know, just, just remember when someone tells you to stop talking, don't interrupt that you're interrupting, you know, just keep it in check. And like, he learned how to kind of check himself. And I, I feel he's, it helped him kind of ground himself outside the dojo as well. That's interesting. So it helped him and it helped you as the teacher to figure out how to better teach people as well. And yeah, you mentioned like how it helps you deal with things. For me, I, I, I kind of knew like I'm not on the ASD spectrum. I, I don't think so. There were some symptoms that kind of made me wonder because I took that test, but I got some either depression or anxiety issues myself that have been with me through my life. But just learning that some of what happened in my life might be a sign of depression just made it easier to live easier to understand and kind of to step back and say, Oh, that maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that's why I feel the way I do. Mickey, how about you? Um, I, I look, 
I look at everyone different. You know, I really try and if they have some kind of, <clears throat> they can't throw, like today I was training this guy and he couldn't throw a jab right. He just couldn't. I said, keep your elbow in. He just, he threw a jab, he kept on turning his head. I'm like, bro, stop turning your head. And you know what? After the third time, I just let him do it. I, I accepted it. You know, he, he, he already Venmoed me, took his money. No, I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> I, I, I learned to teach different because you know what? It's going to click. Right now it's not clicking and it will, you know. And then he stopped and he watched my other client and he observed. So if I'm telling him and I'm telling him the same thing, He's going to be like, whoa, okay. So he might be a visual learner instead of like, he won't see that first. And that is why I record all my sessions so they can see. So I treat all my students different. Um, I always check in on them and see how they're doing. Um, and you know what? If, if we're always super serious with these folks, you know, I want them to be them. Because guess what? They're going to do something off the wall. And I'm going to take that and put it into my game. I'm serious. They might, whoo, they might, you know, do something and then boom, it might snap out of nowhere. So I want them to be them, but to a, to a point where they're not mentally out of control. Uh, I have yet to have that, but I think this guy today, he just, I said uppercut, he kept on throwing straight. I'm like, whoa, okay. Something wasn't really registering in there. So maybe he was on the spectrum. This was a really good podcast today because now I'm starting to really think. And honestly, I these little bullet points that you guys had earlier, I have some of that. Do I have? I've been having insomnia lately. Um, you know, I always think there's like it's my fault. You know, sometimes, but when I'm in the gym, and and I'm cracking something or I'm hitting something or I'm stabbing something, it's all good because no one can control me but me. So, and I try and put that into how I can control working with my clients and trying to work with my kids. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. But, uh, no, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Good, good. Because that's what we want to talk about. Again, th this is a martial arts podcast. And the reason we're talking about autism, because as I said, there are a lot of people who are on the spectrum and don't even know it. Uh, Angelo, you talked about your student who like, oh my God, I'm an adult. And I, oh my God, I'm on the spectrum. I didn't even realize it. And that it, it explains a lot. It makes life a lot easier if you just accept my brain doesn't work like other people. Now we're going to take our last shot. And then I got one final question for you guys. It is a serious question. Something <laughs> to think about. Your deepest. Hang on, Mickey. Don't, don't shoot the gun yet. All right, here we go. Hey, do they do sake bomb out there in Tokyo or whatever you guys are? <laughs> no, they, they just shoot the sake. They don't, but I love doing that to them, though. Like, I'll get an Asahi, and then we'll go boom, and they're just like, Every time, <laughs> so, yeah. man, sake bombs, California rolls. When you come out here, you gotta do that. That ain't bad. So that's a real thing. That's a real thing they do out there. No, no, no. no they that's, don't. They don't. We, you, if you introduce that to them, though, they love it. That's a great thing to introduce to them. It's, it's yeah, a, you don't want me out there. It's a crowd. <laughs> it's a crowd pleaser. <laughs> oh you gotta man, realize, man, this is California rolls. Well, hey, bombs, before I do that, I gotta go hit the back first so I can get you know, hey. <laughs> All right, so final question for the day. Both of you guys, this is a very serious question. Take a moment. Reflect on your life, on your soul as a martial artist and think about who you are and everything you've learned in your life. Jason Bourne and John Wick in a fight, who you got? Quick, quick answer. 
John Wick all day long. Yeah, John Wick. Angel? Yeah, John Wick. John Wick? We're all agreed. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> we can ask why. That might take the next 20 minutes. So, we're all finished for today, guys. Thank you for joining us, Angelo and Mickey. Thank you to those of you at home. Hope you enjoyed the show and you learned something. Uh, we are just talking and learning as much as we can. Uh, one final message as we talk on this topic of autism and people whose brains work differently. If you ever feel that the world is strange, if you ever feel that you are strange and you ever feel like giving up, don't. Just take a step back, check out the research, check out the things we've talked about today. Uh, it might just be that you're trying so hard to be normal that you're forgetting to be natural. You're not being true to yourself. There's a point where you got to fit in with society to get a job, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is about people who use their brains differently, a lot of self-harm comes because they don't feel like they're fitting in enough. Just realize if you ever think you're alone, you're not. Take a step back, look around and reach out for help. Someone out there is willing to help. See what you can do and realize that life is worth living. So that's all I'm going to say for today. Thank you for joining us, guys. This has been Four Shots of Kaiju Kembo. Stay strong. Stay Kaiju Kembo strong. Mahalo. And that's a wrap. Thank you very much for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. If you still are around and you want to support the show, check out www.socialjello.com. Scroll down to the Amazon banner and do some shopping. It doesn't cost you anything. It zero. costs you zero. And they'll send a little bit of my way just for you helping out and showing that you watch the show. And I really appreciate it for you listeners out there. I appreciate you very much. I'm growing very slowly, but surely the show is growing, and I really do appreciate that. Much love and respect. And I'll catch you all next time.